applause for no reason. I love it. I love getting to like you again. This is lovely. <laughs> Worth it. Guitar Stories Podcast, your number one show for everything guitar. Hello, Guitar Geeks. This is Dan. Hey, everybody. This is Andy. And we're joined today by the lovely Angel Vivaldi. Hello, everyone. Hey. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe we're on a podcast with Angel Vivaldi. <laughs> Do, does it smell bad in here now? I feel like it smells bad in here now. <laughs> I have a certain nervousness to my um, approach this time. You have a certain nervousness. Like... <laughs> Yeah, like why, we had we that? had Yvette Young last week and it kind of went way off the rails, but we went for about 40 minutes before it went way off the rails and we've been off the rails since we before we started recording. Yep. And, yep. Uh, and dear listener, um, I'm not even going to apologize, <laughs> but be, beware. Brace yourselves. Where would you start? <laughs> so a little oh, bit of background. Um, I'm in Austria, Dan, you're in Germany. Angel, where are you right now? I am currently in New Jersey, in the United States of America. I know, everyone's okay, eyebrows so just like, whoa, he's there. <laughs> he's there. <laughs> yes. Patient zero, no. Yep. Are you doing fine? I'm doing great. You know, all things considered, um, truthfully speaking, my life hasn't changed too, too much because I am very much a homebody. Uh, the only thing that really mm -hmm. changed for me is I can't go to the gym. But uh, aside from that, you know, I mean, everything's okay. You know, obviously... Um, I can't say this, uh, the same for some friends and family who obviously, you mm -hmm. know, either got COVID or they're trying to like dodge it, like the, you know, like the plague, so to speak. So, um, you know, and, and I'm very, very close to New York City as well. Uh, so, you know, it definitely is a little bit uh, nerve wracking, but, um, you know, I'm pretty well informed. Like I'm the kind of person that will spend three hours reading a scientific study. And the reason why it will take me three hours is because there's so many medical terms and stuff that take me you know, to a different pace so I could understand what that means, you know. Um, so for the past, I'd say, you know, f well, the first four to five weeks of this, um, I just spent my time really just uh, like educating people and, and, tell and sending texts and just letting people know because my hometown, unfortunately, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's getting hit pretty bad out of all the cities in New Jersey. Um, mostly because, I mean, like, and this is, you know, I, I'm, I grew up there, so I, I know it on a very deep level. It's not the most educated city. Um, it's very, uh, you know, it's, um, it's pretty, it's like a low income kind of like, it's, it's ghetto as hell, you know? So it, um, it really has been battering that city quite a bit because these are people, you know, they're, they're not the most educated. So they let fear just kind of get to them. And there were all these viral text messages going around like, oh, helicopters are going to fly mm. over the city at 1130 p.m., you know, kind of stuff. And um, I'm having people forward me these messages just so I can tell people like, no, that's not true. No, this isn't true. Or, you know, no, the lemon water is not going to save your life. No, putting a blow dryer in front of your nose is not going to save your life kind of stuff. You know, um, so it was it was honestly really exhausting. I was kind of like mentally unraveling at the seams. So I had to little, take a little bit of a break from it. But uh, once I was able to put myself in a situation where I was just like, all right, you know, I, I'm blessed to be in a position where, you know, I don't have to leave. Um, you know, I'm going to take the optional responsibility to, to continue doing what I'm doing. So but overall, 
I, I've been I've been really blessed to be to actually say that I'm I'm doing quite well. That's awesome. That's good. And I have, I have to ask, where are you getting your haircut? Because you still look amazing. Oh my goodness! I rolled out of bed. Are you kidding me? You're just saying that. You're just saying that. He's he's gonna be like he's probably like damn this guy. Oh my god, he used to his hair. He looks so much better right now. <laughs> <It's hippie, man. laughs> Thank you. you Andy, you promised more. <laughs> <laughs> promises, promises, promises. Yeah. So yeah. Um, you may. We got to seen... tell. We got to tell the listeners that these guys they spoke to each other in advance, and they are both wearing black shirts, whereas I am wearing a white shirt. Yes. Come on. We as a color coordinated. We just wanted to make you look like a fool. That's all it is. Yeah. Do you feel the love? I hear but... you. Good. Absolutely. Good. From the very beginning. Good. And to the very end. Angel's glasses are bigger than mine, though, so I'm, I'm slightly. <laughs> disappointed on my glasses choice well the only reason why i have these glasses is just to do it's like the bigger distraction i have in my face the more attractive i look so that's that's the only this is an illusion bitch i got lasik there's no these are like 50 cent glasses 50 cents okay like this is just a distra i'm glad that this thank you so much <laughs> just so happy <laughs> you're welcome thank you so um dan is the kind of guy that does his homework so I want to know what Dan has learned about Angel in the past week. Oh my God, we hold on. We were getting Let me lay down before this happens. So right. lay down, strap yourself in. Oh God. Um, Dan, what, you... have you, what have you learned what, what, uh, since I said that we'd have Angel on the podcast? You are uh, kind of Mr. Google, Mr. Stats, Mr. Specifications. Oh Lord, he knows my <laughs> blood type. Did you talk to my exes? Oh, salty bunch of bunch well, of lads they are. We, I did the whole scan. Oh, my condolences. From the very beginning. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Just kidding. Actually, we just figured out that we are all three Gemini's. Yes. Like born June tenth, June thirteenth, and myself June fourteenth. How crazy is that? Hell yeah, yeah. Hell. <laughs> Even funnier, last week it was the same thing because Yvette also is, was born in June. Yes, there you go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but she was very... just yeah, a, but a she's... throwback. She was a, a, a Leo, no, Cancer, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah she's right. a little bit but after. Still June, but children of of June. That's I love cool. that. So for your children third, so for your third podcast, you have to have Steve Vai and keep the whole Gemini thing going on. There you go. Yeah. Andy, we've got no other choice. Oh. I'm not going to yeah. say that I would. <laughs> <laughs> so Angel and I met at NAM this year, Winter NAM, which currently is the only NAM of 2020. And uh, Angel and I were talking about his uh, signature guitar with Charvel, Nova. Yep. And um, it's now available in Sage Green, which I think is a stunning uh, addition well you've now got two so yeah. what's the original color called it's so the original sage green and uh, yeah so the original was a sage green now it's in satin black satin black to match us that's it Ooh. yes <laughs> and i have not played plugged into an amp but i have touched the guitar and been near angel whilst touching the guitar and it, it's it just it's lovely it's one of those bling guitars that is it's very much you angel it, it's the more you play it the more you love it and it's it's striking but not in a sort of over the top way i would i would agree you know and i think especially with having it in black now because i mean like the listen if you told 16 year old me that i would have a green signature guitar i'd be like yeah can we curse on there or is this like a pg thing I, go for oh it. man i'd be like get the fuck out of here there's no way in hell you know but um 
being that it's a little bit more muted of a sage green, it's just it's just like luxurious. It's like eating a whole bag of Skittles with no chaser, you know. Um, whereas the black, it's a lot more classy. You know, it's a very classy type of subdued, low-key luxury kind of looking guitar, um, which for certain people is a little bit more appropriate. And for myself as well, you know, we're all Geminis. We have our extroverted side and we have our introverted side, you know, so I feel like it's a nice balance of me, you know, and uh, I feel like a lot of people, I mean, I'm, I'm seeing all the pictures of, you know, because everyone's receiving their orders now for the black, my god so many people got that guitar and it makes me feel so good because uh you know originally like the fans voted on the color which was the first time ever in like you know fender history that they did something like that um you know because i was they, they sent me like five or six mock-ups of like ivory and navy blue and they all looked exquisite they all looked gorgeous and i was like guys i don't i want the guitar to be successful and i, and I want people to you know not be intimidated to getting it so like why don't we just get the fans to you know you know vote on it you know so win-win we we get to sell a number of guitars that they want and they get what they want and i'm happy with all of them i don't care you know as long as i have the gold i don't care and um the the green surprisingly did extremely extremely well like when i got the first that that first quarter's numbers i was like it blew me away and now the black is just it's it's great man i'm glad that people are happy with it yeah, it's. I, I think I prefer the black mm -hmm. over the sage green. Um, it just it it very much appeals to me. Good. It, it's just, and, and I'm not a, a lover of gold hardware. At most times, it's oh. just it always feels a bit sort of gaudy, a bit gauche. Absolutely. But on that black, and it's there's many different types of gold hardware, and mm -hmm. you've you've nailed it. It doesn't look doesn't look cheap and nasty. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully, if you don't have like you know acid hands, it'll stay that way. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not a toxic you, bitch, so it's looks... fine for me. <laughs> I've heard differently. <laughs> what have you heard? Who did you speak to? <laughs> Actually, to me, to me, it looks like the the bad brother of the jam. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I could see that totally, one hundred percent. Because I mean, like you know, growing up for me, you know, seeing that white and gold guitar like that was just, oh my god. I mean, you want to talk about decadence? you know that was it that <laughs> oh, yeah. was it you know and white against gold yeah. like oh man they did an ivory against gold that was one of the mock-ups and i was just sitting there like oh man what a beautiful combination but yeah but i can see that i would love to see you and steve vai uh on stage or in a video you playing the devil to his angel Ooh. or possibly even playing each other's guitars you know that with, with the new peer and the the nova that in black that would that's an interesting thing that should definitely happen that would be very interesting and it's funny you know um i'll say this in the podcast once because uh there was an interview i did a number of years ago and uh for me like my influences like if i were to like sum them all up would be uh, Kurt Cobain because he made me pick up a guitar, Kirk Hammett because he made me play leads. Then it got to Eric Johnson, Ingve, Satch, Satriani, Alex Skolnick, Alexi Leo. That's literally, you know, me. And um, someone in an interview, they said, oh, you know, we just watched your show and, you know, you, you, you're just like, you know, you're very, uh, you have a lot of energy, like you're very engaging and stuff like that. And he goes, uh, you know, there's a lot of parallels like how Steve Vai performs. 
<laughs> and without batting an eye, I didn't really think about it. I just spit it out, and I was just like, oh, and then he's like, oh, so what, where's the influence? Like, like, is there a parallel between you and Steve Vai? I was like, well, I'm gay. I don't know what his, what his you know, <laughs> reason is. <laughs> oh, my God. I, like, broke a sweat after I said that. But, uh, but obviously, it's all in fun, because he's just... He's one of the most like when I go to a rock show, I go to be entertained. You know, I want to see Vi, I want to see Malmsteen. You know, I want to see David Lee Roth. You know, I want to see Iron Maiden. I don't want to see a dress rehearsal. You know, because I can do that on YouTube, and that's not engaging to me. Um, but I feel like every artist has their own priorities. Like you know, some people their priority is to play 100% clean. You know, and play it to the record, which I respect. That's perfect. But if I want to hear, you know, if I want to hear it perfect, I'll listen to the record, you know. I want something that's for me, and that's why I love Frank Zappa. Frank Zappa was, and still is, a huge influence in that respect where he loves improvisations. And I look at it the same way. It's a gift to that audience that they, no one ever, is ever going to have, you know. And I think that's, that's really special mm -hmm. as opposed to just, like, copy and pasting every single night and just, you know. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I run a tight ship as far as the show is concerned. But, you know, there's always that little bit of unpredictability, and I love that. Yeah, I, I feel exactly the same. Like you mentioned about Kurt Cobain, and and I loved like I'm massively into feedback and guitar yes. and 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 abusing the guitar. So it's really like like smashing, not not smashing, mm -hmm. like destroying, but actually hitting the guitar and feeling that wood come to life, and and getting feedback in a sense that you can't recreate that. Yeah. So um, and there's. There's in Nirvana um, uh, Unplugged Live in New York, which was one of my biggest influences. Mm -hmm. And and also the same with um, No Woman, No Cry by Bob Marley. Yeah. There's certain parts of the recording where there's feedback. And I just think that adds so much to the performance that you wouldn't get in a studio because it's kind of undesirable. It makes it live. It makes it real. It makes it human, you know? Um, yeah. And there's... And, and I get... And, you know, I understand, especially when it comes to, like... I think, uh, you know, mechanical playing and shredders and virtuosos, there's this whole thing of, um, you know, precision. And I think that, you know, there's so much precision in what we do that we can afford a little bit of humanity in that respect. So I 100% I agree with that. I um, I never actually saw Steve Vai as a, like a, I see him as such a perfect guitar player that I didn't realize till a few years ago that his show, you know, I'd never seen him live and, um, his show is so so live as opposed to mm -hmm. just a technical playthrough of his records yeah. and i guess teenage me would be really confused at the music i listen to these days because i was only listening to nirvana back then mm -hmm. and, and he's the reason i picked up a guitar oh it's and, awesome uh, yeah it's uh it's very strange the way a guitar career changes yeah for sure I, I agree you know the thing the thing that i i can because i'm very self-aware like i know exactly what it was that i took from each artist in particular like you know where kurt like he just taught me how to write a song man you know taught me how to write a song and to um and you know because there's such a such a loss of the ego with the vibe of what nirvana was about that and that's the foundation of of my musical energy is that you know so you know being in the position where I'm at now, it like having that foundation really teaches me to keep my shit together. You know, like we all have egos. Like I know my ego very well. I invite that bitch to tea every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 3 p.m. I embrace him in the four walls of my home. The only time I bring it out there is when I want to make people laugh and I can poke fun at it. You know, 
Aside from that, I do not make it anyone's problem, you know, especially on tour when you're trying to interact with other egos and stuff like that. It's, you know, it can be very, very troublesome, especially, you know, in the industry that I'm in. I'm a guitar instrumentalist, you know, there's, you know, there's so many that are just like swinging their dicks in a china shop, woo, woo, especially at NAM. Jesus Christ, I have to wear like a football helmet and a fucking shoulder pad just so I can like deal with the bashings at these, some of these parties. Like, Jesus Christ, fucking sedate me, you know, but, um, but that's the thing. I feel like that core um, was really from Nirvana, you know, just taught me to just do my thing, do it as well as I can, and just don't give a fuck about anything else of what anyone else is thinking about. Just really stick to your guns. Um, and I'm really grateful for that. That's awesome. So you've worked with a few people that we've met before. So um, you've worked with Yvette Young mm -hmm. most recently, I guess. And we were talking to her last week. Yeah. And we had so much fun with Yvette. Oh, yeah. And impossible not to i can see how you guys yeah she's just she stuck around for hours and, and then we had to kind of get rid of her <laughs> <laughs> that must have been the most and i don't think anybody movie. wanted it to end yeah, nobody wanted it to end and nobody really wanted to stop the fun it's mm -hmm. like has anyone really got time for a five-hour podcast yeah you know it's funny you say five hours because um i don't go live often like the live streams and stuff but uh I think every two to three months but when i do literally i'm on there for like five to like sometimes i've done like seven hour streams you know because it's yeah. just this whole exchange of energy. It's like playing live. It's like this whole exchange of energy. You see the comments. You see people like responding to things, and things are so spur of the moment. And it's like it's such a again. It's just like candid. It's it's human, and it's just you know. I think all three of us we have the same energy. Where like we feel most alive when we're connecting to people. You know, um, and connection like that is rare too. You know, having like minds and stuff like that. Um, you know, it's it's a rare thing. So we just never want it to end. We just ah, we just want to hold on to it. Yeah, that's that's what I'm missing most at the moment. And and being with Dan and being with a, a third person, a guest is really honestly helping me get through this lockdown period, mm -hmm. which is quite honestly depressing the hell out of oh. me. Because I'm a people person, I need to be around people. Yeah. I need to I need to exchange energies. Mm -hmm. And um, and I, I just I, I, I wither without it. Yeah. And meeting you actually at NAM was was one of this is going to sound so sycophantic. One of my favorite moments, mainly because we didn't know what was going to happen. <laughs> That's so true. I totally understand. Like, yeah. <laughs> because the, the camera guy, um, Arunas, was there. Like He, he was awesome doing his mm -hmm. job. But I know him well enough to know that he was nervous. Yeah. <laughs> because we did Satchel the year before, and that went completely way off track straight away. That was, there was nothing. Was so good. Nothing there. But with Satchel, there was a kind of limitation in the, in the sense that he is a character yeah. and it's going to be within a certain limit. You know, sort of, we know it's going to be hair metal. We know it's going to be drugs and, and sex and rock and roll. Mm. But with you, I had no idea. Yeah. And it was so, so uh, such a gift for me to just walk into a room and, and not know what's going to happen because doing what I do often I lead the conversation, mm -hmm. you know, as, as an interviewer. And I just love like, here, you hold this, you do this, there's the control, you take it. Yeah. And then you throw it back to me and we just mess around. And I, I'm only comfortable doing stuff. That's the second thing I've done for Charvel and Fender in that sense. Mm -hmm. When Helen from, from Fender Special Brands <laughs> is nervous and worried in the background, then I know that I'm having a good time. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, that, that's <laughs> very well said, very well. I adore, I adore that woman so much. 
Um, she's such a good energy. But that's the thing, you know, and I often say when you're relating to people, it's like, you know, uh, for example, like your blue and my yellow make a gorgeous, gorgeous green, you know. From the second I met you, honestly, you know, it was very, it was almost like we've known each other for a while. It was very loose. I, I remember we were going down the escalator at NAMM and I was just like lifting my leg up and I ripped my pants with those gorgeous, you know, just like little things like that, you know. Um, and you can kind of feel that off the bat, you know. So for me, when I sense that there's a beautiful color being made, like I don't hold back. I floor it because, you know, I don't want to waste time into you know, microdosing people and, you know, I just want to just like have the best time possible and like right from the get go, you know, just so that there's more memories to be held on to five, ten years down the line, you know. Um, but again, that's so it, it's rare, you know, especially if you're very self-aware, like I know, like my yellow is a little bit more like, um, you know, I think every artist is a very particular color. Like mine's a little bit more like yellow goldish, you know, and yours is a little bit more cerulean bluish, you know? So like when you combine them, it makes a nice like, you know, like not like maybe like a little bit more along the lines of like a hunter greenish teal that would look gorgeous against that Nova, just letting you know. Like that lucerne aqua fire mist <laughs> color, like, oh my God, Jesus Christ. But, um, but that's the thing, you know, and then other artists, and I feel like this is, and it goes with relationships, it goes with friendships. I feel like, um, really it's when you bring out the best in each other, but then there's situations, you know, um, you know, in my experience with other musicians in particular, where like their red is like a certain red and my yellow is a certain yellow and they come together and make a shit orange, man. And, you know, whether it's, and there's not, and there's, here's the thing. So like, you know, again, I am very sensitive to like vibes and in my environment and I could tell when the air is even like a pubic hair is slight thicker than it should be. And, you know, there, there's an awareness of like, okay, so how am I going to navigate this? You know, let's say for instance on tour, how am I going to navigate this for 30 days? You know, so then it's my, it's someone's responsibility to kind of shift their yellow a little bit more to complement what's happening here, you know? And typically it's going to be one person. It's very rare that two people are going to do the work together, you know? So it's just what it is. It's like a relationship. One person's a little bit more a little bit more invested than the other all 99% of the time. Um, but, you know, you have to be honest with these situations. And I think that, you know, it gives you a lot of, um, uh, it gives you a lot of uh, insight as to how to navigate your, um, uh, the, the inevitable conflict that, that you may arise. Because listen, artists are quirky people, man. You know, you have to really, you don't know what someone's struggle was. Um, you don't know what their current struggle is. We all have our things, you know? So it's like that situation where like, if someone cuts me off on the highway, like I'm not gonna go and like, ah, fuck you, you know? Like maybe that person really needs to take a shit. Maybe they have a pregnant woman in the back that, that is like, you know, like she's just, you know, gushing out all, all of her water or something like that. I don't know what their situation is, you know? But I know what my situation is and, and, and I know my capacity to just be a chameleon to certain situations. And it's not a matter of, you know, being fake. It's just a matter about, you know, um, I guess, taking advantage of all the aspects of my personal personality because I know myself better and just making the best out of a situation that may not be as desirable as we wanted to. It's, it's really reading the room, reading the situation and not changing oneself, but certainly uh, being sensitive to other people's emotions. Absolutely. Even if they're not sensitive to yours, um, that's fine. No. But I, I do flip people off when I'm driving, just so you know. I, it's, it's, it's one of my favorite things to do. You know what I love doing? You know, I do the opposite. When I pass them by, I, I blow them a little kiss. 
just because like that is like the thing like it's so much worse than flipping someone off you know like sir like for real for real like i've seen people like turn into the hulk man like i'll just like floor it I'll be like, Mwah. and i'll give them a little wave like that like with my shoulder to my chin you know like this oh it's hilarious their eyes just turn into fire oh it's fucking great i have Eddie, to ask people- Sorry, people just that. might be people just might be confused because you're dragging a strap body behind you. Yeah, car. exactly. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have to ask, what does Angel Vivaldi drive? Uh, so um, I bought my dream car, a poorly timed choice, uh, timing, but I, I drive a Tesla. Nice. Hey, Which one? Uh, Model Three. Which Model Three? It's very popular right now. Yeah. It's, it's something that, if I were in a better situation, I would be purchasing right yeah now. like 80 percent because i'm a big environmentalist so 80 percent of the reason for person you know this car in particular was because it's you know is for the environment and 20 percent is because it's a fucking gorgeous car <laughs> you know? so i'm quite happy with it yeah you know not that i, I literally so how lo- i got it um so the week that we you know we're going into lockdown was when i got it and um i called the dealership and i was like guys can we just like wait you know to see when this blows over and they were oh i just my lab did it just fall? It's because I'm sweating. You guys are making me moist. Um, <laughs> so it just like literally fell into my crotch. So you're going to hear a little boop in the audio. My bad. I'm, I apologize. I apologize. Um, but uh, yeah, so when I went to pick up this car, holy shit, I look like a stealth Sub-Zero. I had like my mask on from day one because <laughs> I know what's up. I had my black gloves because I had a little cut on my hand and you know, your skin will help you as long as it's healthy. And uh, I had like a long black trench coat. My black jeans, my black shirt. I look, I look gorgeous, gorgeous. But I scared the hell out of everyone at the dealership. They were like, "What the <laughs> fuck?" You know. Um, but uh, but yeah, you know, I've driven it twice in the past six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> but because it's not fun, it, like you know, just to go on a ride for no reason. Like I need a destination. I need a destination. Mm-hmm. So, um, but it's fine. It's not going anywhere. It's, it's nice looking at it through my driveway. <laughs> My problems, guys. My problems. <laughs> so, how long have you been waiting on the Tesla? Was there like a waiting list, and you had to wait like six months, twelve months? Yeah, I had to or? wait. Uh, it was about five weeks, actually. It wasn't too too long. Oh. So, um, and mm-hmm. luckily, when I when I searched the VIN, because I was nervous initially, because uh, you know some of the Model Ts are made in China, some are made in California, and this one was made in California. So I was like, oh, okay, that, you know, that's a little bit you know less nerve wracking. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it's just five weeks. It wasn't that bad. It still seems, uh, like a fantasy, like a Tesla car. Like it seems like the, the cyber trucks like pushes all my buttons. Yeah. In a good way or a bad way? Oh, absolutely. In a good way. Like, like, (laughs) like it's so good that I almost want them to remake back to the future to include that car. (laughs) Get it. I get it. I get it. (laughs) Like, like they should. That's one of my favorite films of all time. It's also another reason I play guitar. Probably one of my earlier reasons that I was like, okay, that's cool. I want to do that. What Marty McFly? Okay, does. yeah, yeah. And and then you should never touch it. It's an almost perfect movie in its imperfections. Mm-hmm. But if they announced they were going to remake it, and I'd be like, oh, this is bullshit. But then and the car's going to be a Cybertruck. I'm like, hell yeah! Oh, dude, Let's that would it. trigger the I'm entire world. I'm glad that you would find joy in that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I would, I would, 
it would be awful, but I'd, I'd still, I'd still enjoyed that. No, for sure. Uh, you know, the funny thing is, like, when I was uh, putting the order in, I thought about it just to be an obnoxious motherfucker. I was just like, man, that would be, so I would be the one guy in my county with this fucking monstrosity of a car. But I was just like, and it's not that expensive. I mean, considering what you're getting, honestly, the same thing with the Model Three, yeah. you know. Um, which is incredible, and I think that's such a beautiful optional responsibility for Tesla to take on because, you know, to make it affordable for people. Because, you know, I can't afford, like, a Model S. You know, if I did, I'd be, like, you know, dragging my broken leg everywhere I go because I'd just be hurting so bad. Um, but the fact that they're making them so, you know, overall affordable, you know, that's the other thing, too, with the Charvel, man. I mean, like, my God, you want to talk about running a parallel? I grew up poor as hell, dude. Poor as hell. Like, I was homeless for two years, and, um, you know, having a guitar that's affordable is like it was paramount to me um i fought for it a lot we went back and forth with charvel so much i was like fifteen hundred dollars is the max i would pay for any piece of gear in general guitar amp anything and um you know they did better when it when it was first released it was 11.99 and when they sent me that email i legitimately like flat i cried man i was that was just like such a beautiful thing to to you know because Peter Witchers is like an amazing like sourcing, you know, he is just brilliant, brilliant, brilliant at it. Um, and he was able to source everything to a way that it was very cost effective for, you know, people to actually afford. Um, so yeah, like having things that are affordable is really important to me. Yeah. And just, could you could you take us on a little tour on how the whole like signature guitar came together, like from the moment when Chauvel signalized that they wanted to produce a signature guitar mm -hmm. for you then from checking different prototypes making specking out the model with all of its details pickups etc until like the final prototype that got approval from you uh rich oh, of course absolutely so the funny thing was um uh i was with ibanez for about eight years um great eight years and um what wound up happening was um i had left but i didn't know where i wanted to go but, uh, you know, it's like when, when uh, sharks are around, they smell blood in the water. So I started getting emails left and right from all these companies and stuff. And I was just kind of like, you know, it's, all the, it's, it's like I'm very much a, a victim of like imposter syndrome. Like you don't think you're that big of a deal or anything like that. I think we all kind of uh, feel that way to some extent. And uh, if we don't, we kind of should to humble our asses. But I digress. Hell yeah. So um, I got these emails and then um, I got one from, you know, Jackson uh, Charvel. And they're like, hey are you interested in like, yeah yeah sure absolutely so they sent me uh two jacksons which you know that that would be more of a you know because i'm you know a progressive you know guitar player that would be more fitting and they also sent me a charvel six string just for shits and giggles and um they sent me a jackson soloist my god the neck was so flat and fast i was like yo this is amazing and i thought ibanez necks were the thickest i mean the thinnest no 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 this jackson neck was this just the Lamborghini, man, it was fast as hell. But um, there was some other things that I was like, ah, maybe this, 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 I don't know. But then I picked up that Charvel, and it's a six string, and I'm a seven string player. And I couldn't put the little fucker down. I was playing that guitar all the time, all the time. And um, and Mike Tempesta, like he even asked, he's like, hey, what do you think of Charvel? And I was kind of like, eh, you know, I don't know. Um, but man, I, I fell in love with that guitar. And then I thought of their, you know, their roster, like, you know, they have Gojira, man. Oh, they got Gojira. Oh, they have Joe. Okay. Then, of course, they have Guthrie, and I was like, oh, that's cool, too, you know. And then um, I started giving it more thought, and, I, you know, I thought about it, like, 
you know, and it wasn't like they didn't offer me a signature at first, you know, or anything like that. I, you know, in my head, I was like, you know, I'm going to earn it, you know, in two years, you know, I'm going to earn it. And, uh, you know, I think we, we had posted, uh, so, you know, I told them the things that I would want, you know, they built me a custom in like four weeks. It was insane. Build it to me really, build it for me really quick. And, um, I did a, a video called dopamine off of my album synapse. And when I released it, every, the internet, just like their minds blew that I, you know, that I had left Ibanez. Cause that's kind of like, you know, not that I had been with Ibanez that long, but that's like, you know, Mounting leaving Fender or like I, Steve I leaving Ibanez. Like I was so tightly, my brand was so tightly woven with Ibanez that it was a shock, especially Charvel. But there was a reason why, because I didn't want to be predictable. I didn't want to go to Kiesel. I didn't want to go to ESP. I didn't want to go to Jackson. Charvel has this thing with versatility and, you know, grant, I have like my progressive songs, but I also have my ballads, you know, I have my songs that are very ambient and, you know, I genre hop all the time. And uh, I felt like from that respect alone, and, you know, I'm a little old school, I'm a little new school. It was perfect. And I often thought I was like, you know, at this times, you know, as a business person, you know, cause I'm, 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 it's just a one man show here. I don't have a label. I thought about it. I was like, you know what, man? No one gave a fuck about Ernie Ball until John Petrucci left and he joined Ernie Ball. I, I want to do the same thing for Charvel. I'm going to do the same thing for Charvel. So uh, we, we posted the initial photo on their chart, you know, well, they did on their Instagram. And like John Mayer like that, you know, like everyone was like, what the fuck is this? What is this? A seven string reverse head? Like... So um, they kind of saw the response overall and like not long after they were like, you know, would you be interested in the signature? And I was just like, I remember the day, man, like my heart fell into my asshole. I broke a sweat because, you know, I didn't want people to think I left because of a signature. It's not that at all. You know, that was again, like I figured two years down the line. So they did the first prototype. Uh, all things considered how fast they built it, they they got pretty close. But the neck, you can't like... You can't make a six string version of a seven string guitar and vice versa. You can't do that. That's what I learned the hard way. They are their own thing, their own thing. I got the neck and it was, I told him, I was like, oh, I want a six, seven string version of this neck. It was as thick as my thigh. And let me tell you, I got some thick ass thighs, okay? <laughs> like wielding that guitar was like a five-year-old wielding a great sword. I was kind of like, eh, you know? Um, but I took it to Europe. We did a tour, um, I did a tour with Andy James and, uh, did you know held up beautifully but uh you know that, that was a mahogany guitar uh with the maple neck so it wasn't too too different but second prototype you know i wanted to educate myself a little bit more and uh i went for all different specs we did basswood body maple top flame maple top because i always heard about this oh my god amazing tonewood combination you know that's like the golden combination of basswood and maple which is just fucking bullshit i mean it sounded great don't get me wrong but you know it's all like urban legend things um, but it did sound great. And, um, we extended the bottom heel just because I wanted to get my big stretches without something stabbing the top of my hand. Um, you know, the neck profile was, there was two things I was a pain in the ass about, and that was the neck profile and the bridge. So we went through maybe four different bridges until I settled on the Goto 5107. Cause it's a seven, you know, I, I, first of all, I got tired of the double locking fluids. I'm done. I am sick of it. I've been playing them since day one over it over it and considering that the market right now is with the goto 510s you know they're on all the sirs they're on all the you know the charvel dks i was like this is this is the bee's knees here you know would they make me a seven so they made me a seven for this model 
and um, it's perfect. It's absolutely exquisite. Then with the neck, you know, um, the second prototype was pretty close, you know, because I wanted it comfortable for rhythm and lead because, you know, contrary to popular belief, I am a rhythm guitarist first and primarily before anything. The way that I say it is like this, man. When you're writing a song, the song itself is the meat and potatoes, okay? The leads, the vocals, that's just the seasoning that makes it signature to you, you know? A plate of seasonings is nothing. It's not going to satiate you. You know what I'm saying? But I mean, I could live on meat and potatoes for the rest of my life without any seasoning. And I'll be all right. You know, all of us would be. So, you know, having it comfortable for rhythm was par was like so superiorly important to me. And uh, they nailed it, man. They nailed it with that second prototype. So then uh, with the final prototype, um, it was pretty, it wasn't too far off, you know, uh, obviously the second prototype, if you've seen the flame maple, it is one. So that's like eating five bags of Skittles with no chaser. And then just like having Skittles in an IV, just like seeping slowly into your veins, because it's just, it is, it is the most luxurious guitar. I feel like Charvel has ever built in from day one up until now. And I could objectively say that because I just gave them the specs and they built that shit, you know? <laughs> and Joe Williams just went ape shit on it. So, um, but yeah, man, it's like, you know, honestly, like out of all the guitars, like I have, you know, two custom shops. I only play the signature model that you get off the wall. That is the, I play it 99% of the time. It's a shame that, you know, I have like these $5,000 custom shop. I don't play them. I don't play them, you know? Um, so it really does speak volumes just to the specs alone. So very long answer to a short question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's super interesting too. What I, what I find remarkable is that you stick with the, the Marzi Air Norton tones oh, yeah. pickups, which is kind of like a prototypical combination for rock and kind of shredding. Yeah. Hair. Yeah. Cause it, especially in basswood. So, um, I've been with DeMarzi for about a decade now. Oh, my goodness. I'm showing my age. Um, and, uh, you know, I tried the Illuminators in there. So the first prototype had the Illuminators in the mahogany, which sounds great for rhythm. I love it. Um, then the second prototype, we did uh, Air Norton Tone Zone, and it sounded so good in the bass, but I was like, this is it. So then I tried it again here. Uh, and I also tried um, the deactivators, which I have. I have like five or six sets, I think, that I tried. Um, tried the Evo 7s. It didn't sound too good, in my opinion. Um, and uh, I went back to the Air Norton Tone Zone and I was like, man, this is it, you know, and I'm very meticulous, you know, I had all my tracks, you know, A and track them, you know, with the amp, with the mic, with the cab, old school, then I used the cab clone for 99% of my leads all the time. Um, so I tried both and I A and B'd everything. I see, I saw how it, you know, sat in a mix and Air Norton Tone Zone, man, there's something about that combination that's just classic, timeless and just, Oh man, just like it's so good, it's so good. So when you when you were testing, what's your test rig? So you're changing pickups or, or experimenting with pickups. What's the rest of the setup? So I am religious about my Mark series boogie amps. I'm religious about Mesa boogie amps. Um, I have three JP two Cs because I'm nuts. <laughs> um, you know, I always I love the seat plus sound. I apps there's I can't say enough about it. Um, you know, and initially when I got the amps. Um, they fought me a little bit because uh, there's this like, you know, very much the analogy of like a five-year-old wielding a great sword because they are unforgiving. If you don't have your shit together, man, that amp's going to let you know and it's going to let you know loudly. So, um, you know, uh, after that, and I also have a Mark V as well um, that I use primarily for rhythms because there's a, they have the sliders and the knobs. 
So I actually prefer the knobs because it's very along the lines like the PV6505 with the resonance and the presence. It has those on the mm -hmm. Mark V. And if I'm being greedy, I know the Mark II is literally the most perfect thing because it has a separate EQs, which I always wanted. It has a push-pull on the gain and the presence, which I always wanted. And it has an extra gain stage in the, in the shred. So if you're playing low-tuned guitars, it tightens it up. But if I were to have one other feature, oh my God, I can't believe I'm even saying this because it's so perfect, would be to give me the, the, the knobs on in addition to the the sliders but um because it's, it's a nice summary you know you can get kind of tweaky with the tone and it gives you a nice summary of different uh different parameters um so what i'm doing is i'm running uh, uh the jp2c four cable method with my axe effects so 95 percent of the tone is the boogie uh my signal chain on the axe effects is very simple it's just a gate um a drive but the drive, literally, the, the distortion's on zero. I just use it to color the tone just a little bit. And my delays are my reverbs, and that's pretty much it. Now, what I'm doing is I'm using the built-in cab clone. So all of my leads that you hear are all cab clone. All of them. Guest solos, my leads on Synapse, everything's cab clone. And it goes straight into a Focusrite Scarlet 6i6. Um, and that's it. I honestly prefer the cab clone. I love the way it responds. It's warm. It's controlled. It's a nice clean signal path. You don't have, you know, cause you can go apeshit between the, all the, you know, parameters and, and gates and, and overdrives and delays. And then you want to talk about the cabs and the speakers. Then you talk about the room and how it's treated, then the mic and how it's treated. Fuck that, dude. I ain't got time for that shit. I, I spent enough time with this, you know? So I just want the raw sound of the the amp itself with the effects and it's just exquisite man like i've actually done um and this was a huge compliment uh coming from someone i, I respect like beyond um so jason sukoff you know he's responsible for like you know trivium and all that remains and stuff like that plus countless others uh he's one of my best friends and um i did a guest solo for the band carnifex and um you know i sent him my lead as i always do it and uh he literally said he's just like I just, one of the first times I dropped the solo in the mix and I didn't even have to do post-EQ. That's it. It's the raw... And this is for, like, a, a worldwide release, a label release. And I was just like, wow, man, thank you. That's, like, that is so validating because, you know, I spend so much time on my tone. And it's also self-awareness with the fingers. You have to be very self-aware of your finger tone. I know my finger tone very well, so I know how to compensate for what it lacks in my amp. You know, and I think that a lot of people overlook that. So what, um, what is finger tone? Finger tone. So it's something that you can't escape. It's kind of like being gay. Can't escape it. You are who you are, right? So your finger tone is like, you know, no matter if I'm playing like a Randall or a Marshall or a Line 6, you're going to sound like yourself. You know, if you listen to Michelangelo Badio, he played Randall's back in the day. Now he's playing Salty. Like, no matter what, it still sounds like him. It's just kind of like, it's like a photo. You know, the photo is still going to be a picture next to of me next to a tree. It's just filters over that photo, right? That's really all it is. You just have to choose a filter that makes you that that makes you look flattering and makes you sound flattering, that really projects the essence of what you are. That's all an amp is. That's all gear is. You know, like I I played through like a little black star, like you know, like the little baby ones. Dude, I would tour with that thing. Fuck it. It's still me, you know? It still responds the way that I, that I want it to respond. And, um, you know, granted, like, my rig's, like, you know, what is it, like, fucking, like, $6,000 rig? And that thing's, like, 60 bucks. But it doesn't matter because you can't escape yourself, you know? Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful way of putting it. I like the, the filter analogy. Yeah. Um, 
I'm so stealing that. Good, steal it's, it. Uh, we're going to cut that bit out, Dan, just so I can uh, note that down as an Andy Ferris. Uh, <laughs> Bitch, I'll send you an invoice. <laughs> um, your character, Nova, <laughs> yes. um, floored me. Uh. And I, I thought, because I love words and I love funny words and I love playing with words. <laughs> and then uh, Miss... Gina, first name Nova. Yes. <laughs> so Nova Gina. Um, that's the first time I've said it out loud. <laughs> um, amazing um, fun. And I, I was going to say amazing marketing, but it's not marketing. It's fun that you're having. Mm -hmm. And I can truly, not that we know each other very well, but I could truly uh, buy into what you've done there. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get so it. Yeah. having you angel and you nova mm -hmm. i don't know what was what was the inspiration behind it why, <laughs> why did you have so much fun with that stuff um well you know i guess it's a little bit of both um you know from a marketing standpoint because i'm i'm i love artists who put thought into everything you know that's the reason why i do the concept records that i do is the reason why um everything you see me do it it's it's very uh, it's very well thought out i think um and when it came time for you know the the stealth Nova, again, I thought about this duality of my introvert, extrovert side, and there's a side of me that's, you know, masculine and a side of me that, that's feminine as well. There's a balance. And, um, you know, and, and in 2014, you know, I, I came out to my audience as like an openly gay, you know, man. And, um, and I never did that beforehand because I never wanted, I, I didn't want to earn my success by, by being a fucking gimmick. Like, oh, he's the gay shredder. Fuck that, dude. I want to earn it because I write music that people relate to and I want to earn my success by merit. And, um, you know, but in 2014, there was a thing that a U-Rock Foundation, they were doing a campaign of, you know, I matter because, you know, and, uh, you know, Corey Keller was doing it. Uh, Lamb of God, like all these, you know, famous people were doing it and they asked me to do one as well. And, um, you know, I printed it out and I was like, you know, I matter because I'm openly gay, you know, in the metal scene, which is relatively not really, you know, there's not many of us not the only one but um i guess in the guitar community i guess i'm probably one of the only ones aside from maybe like paul mosvidal um but even he's like pretty low-key about it um but in any case you know i feel like you know being myself i feel like you know the kind of person you are really influences how people enjoy your music you know if you're if you're an asshole it's really easy for cancel cultures alive and thriving you know they have no problem canceling you so um, I just always very much been myself and um, part of being myself is constantly thinking, you know, and when it came time to do the ad campaigns for Charvel, um, I was thinking, I was like, all right, so I have this gorgeous black and gold guitar, I have this gorgeous sage, you know, like um, what campaign images do I want to do? And the whole thing about it was versatility. So first thing that came up was don't assume my genre. You know, and I thought about that. Don't assume my drama. And that kind of coupled into like, you know, don't assume my gender. I was like, oh, man, there's a lot of puns here. Let's let's go with this. You know, um, I was a little nervous, you know, because Fender is very corporate and very, you know, whatever. And um, I mean, I was going to do it anyway. They didn't pay for it. I did. So, um, yeah. And it just kind of like spiraled out of control. It, it took a couple months. It didn't it took it wasn't like an overnight thing. The ideas were in place, but the more I, I kind of um, went through with the process, you know, and just styling everything and, and thinking about how I wanted to do it, the bigger the idea got, 
but the thing with the drag and doing it in drag, like to be completely honest, like when they put that wig on me, I was mortified, man. I was mortified because I wasn't myself and I really understood in a visceral sense how I see femininity as a weakness. And I didn't really realize that. You'd think, you know, like a wow. gay man would be in tune. No, not at all. Listen, I grew up in a house full of Marines. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, and I play metal, you know? So like, you know, if I were to, I guess give a ratio of like, you know, my masculine feminine, I would say like 70, 30, you know? Um, but I didn't realize that I was that uncomfortable. And I was internally, like I said, mortified. I was so awkward, like, and it took a little bit to kind of get into the groove of embracing what I was doing. Cause listen, I was like, I internally had to say to myself, I was like, man, you spent months strategizing this. I, these people worked really hard to make you look like this. You're spending a lot of money of your own money on this, like get it together, get over it. And um, I had a great group of friends and, and creatives around me and I got very comfortable quickly. Um, but then it came time for the drag name. I was like, what am I gonna call myself? And I was like, you know what? This is about the guitar. This isn't for me doing it for kicks. You know, I'm not a drag queen. This is about the Nova, 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 Nova. And I was, and I was driving to the gym one day and I was like, oh, I got it. And I called a friend, my friend Kyle. We puns back and forth. That's just our dynamic. And I was just like, dude, I got it. And he's like, what? No vagina. And he, I never heard him laugh that hard ever in my life. In the second that I heard myself say it, I heard him laughing. I was like, this is great. Now, this is the thing that upsets me. Do you know to this day people don't get that pun? What? People don't get that pun. I had to explain it to like four of my friends. I was like, no vagina. I'm a man. I have no vagina. Nova, the guitar. Like, I have to hold your hand through this? Come on! You know? I was so upset. But, um... But as we see, you know, like, not all Americans are intelligent. So, <laughs> what are you gonna do? No comment, but I do want to say to the <laughs> listeners listening right now that I was holding my mouth shut, trying not to giggle, <laughs> listening to Angel explaining that. And... All I can see in my mind's eye is the Instagram posts that Angel has posted <laughs> with him dressed in drag and totally owning it and, and killing it in every sense and the puns. And I'm like, could I love this guy anymore? It's just, just I, I'm a massive pun fan and it just, oh, more. And I, I even thought like it was really interesting to learn that because I thought that maybe Nova Gina came before Nova. And I thought, well, how far back has he gone? Uh, and to learn that it's actually the opposite way mm -hmm. and it just fitted, you mm -hmm. know, it's, it's, that's really yeah, fun. Yeah, because the guitar Especially had been- when you know it's, it's meant to be. Yeah, the guitar had been out for a year at that point anyway. So it wasn't until like, the, the black guitar came out. And I have to say something else, you know, um, there's obviously, a, you know, it's, it's quite a controversial thing to do these days, um, especially like poking fun at, you know, trans stuff and, um, and whatever. Um, when I posted on Instagram, Hannah got, there was not one negative comment, not one, not one. Um, and that's the demographic of Instagram, you know, but then I actually did a documentary. I don't know if you've seen it, but if you haven't, <laughs> it's a great watch, man. It shows the entire process of me making the jacket, uh, making the boots, um, on shoot day, getting into drag. You see the whole process is called Becoming Nova. It's on YouTube. Um, and the YouTube demographic. I did see it. I did. Yeah. See it. Yeah. It's a little bit different, you know, uh, on YouTube. And, um, obviously, you know, there's all sorts of trolls and stuff like that. So, uh, 
But, you know, it's just like, I just don't care. You know, this is part of my artistic legacy. And I think it's important to honor that because, you know, people need to feel included too, you know, and also people need to be educated about what's, um, you know, because a lot of people have preconceived notions about certain things and they figured again, a gay man must be really into this femininity and <laughs> bitch, you thought, <laughs> you know? So, but it was fun overall. I'm glad I did it. I'm glad you did. It was it, it made my day and I'm still thinking about it now. It's just it's just funny <laughs> and that but funny on so many simple levels. But, you, you know, I love stuff where the, the thought really goes into it. Like when you watch a movie and there's those minute details that you may not see the first time yeah. and you think, oh, my God, this this the level of thought that's gone into that is still pleasing me, you know, years later. Mm -hmm. It's just like Nine Inch Nails. Um, it's like Nine Inch Nails, Bjork and Terry Amos. Like those are my three like <sighs> be still my heart like artists for so many reasons musically visually you know the things the concepts that they think about it's you know michael jackson obviously is another one so like visually those are my influences combined you know whereas like my musical influences are musical influences but visually you know because i'm very visual um you know my videos and stuff like that they're very important to my brand and important to me um so that that's kind of where i feel like i just appreciate artists who just don't just rub one out you know and they just burst out an, an album you know i want you to take your time i want you to put thought into it i want to feel that you give a fuck about what you're doing and what you're saying and um that's why i went through the links that i did for my last record jesus christ that was a beautiful hell <laughs> <laughs> um the first time i choose my words here the first time i came across you was in germany in the office for tunnelman and uh, a friend of mine and the colleagues guillaume said I've got um, I've got you an interview with Angel Vivaldi, and I have to be honest. Is Dan left us now? No, no. Maybe he's, he's still, still here. I see him. Okay, well, I've got full screen Angel right. Baby, ooh, um, I'm making. There you go. Yeah, relish in this image, baby. Woo! You see my sweat stains? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I, oh, I talk about my Dan's coming back. and I dropped my lab mic again. God, you guys are making me so wet. It's horrible. Stop it. Continue. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be rude. So I go to the office, and and Guillaume, no, no, no. I'm I'm here for the piss. <laughs> uh, Guillaume said, "I've got a, an interview with Angel Vivaldi for you." And 100% honesty, I didn't know the yeah. name. You know, I'm not I'm not uh, an expert on everything. Um, just most things. <laughs> and he said, he said, "Come here." I said, "Okay." And I went over to the computer, and I was like, "Okay, well, show me the video you mean." And um, of course. Um, you came up with Nita Strauss. Oh boy, on uh, on serotonin, and um, I was like, okay. And there was the dance routine, yeah. and um, so I I kind of discover you dancing with Nita Strauss, and um, knowing Nita and having met Nita a few times. Like, okay, so where's the connection? And okay, the the guy can play, the guy can dance, and the guy looks good. Who? Why have I not heard of you before? And then, of course, I went down the Angel Vivaldi rabbit hole. And, um, yeah, and then we eventually got to dance yes, together. Yes, we did. Uh, and we've referred to that a few times in this podcast. If you haven't seen it, dear listeners, then you can go to YouTube and search for Angel Vivaldi uh, with Tolman and probably Angel Vivaldi plus Worst Dancer. <laughs> we had so much fun, man. It was such a great interview. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, I just wanted to, to talk to you about like musicians working together. You've worked with Yvette from Yvette Young and also Nita. Mm -hmm. 
is it really such a close-knit community as it appears to be i mean for me yeah because um you know i'm a uh i'm not gonna i don't i don't follow musical politics at all musical politics can suck my dick i don't give a shit about that um i only collaborate with people who i genuinely 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 connect with in some regard or another so a little bit of backstory as to how the Nita thing happened um so the record was called Synapse, and it, every, it was nine songs after nine neurotransmitters, dopamine, serotonin, adrenaline, adenosine, um, and so on. Um, and I didn't just choose a name for a name, you know, it was very strategized. So like Nita and serotonin made sense. If you've ever seen her live, she's all, she's just confidence, uplifting energy, you know. Um, and then I also had Gus G on there, and I had him play on the song Oxytocin. Now, oxytocin is the bonding molecule, and we did a tour together in 2016 in the States. And when you're, you're living together for a month, you know, and you really bond with people. And, um, you know, but also the song, you know, of the stylistic song of Serotonin really fit her style, you know, with Nita. Whereas oxytocin really, really fit Gus's style, like, beautifully. Um, and last but certainly not least was Ollie Herbert, which was a very, very close friend of mine who unfortunately passed away recently. And uh, his um, his guest solo was really uh, very catered to him, very catered to him. You know, the riff, you know, because All That Remains was a huge influence on me, like in 2009 when I did the Speed of Dark release, and it's very apparent. And uh, truth be told, um, you know, he gave me a solo and, um, you know, how do you tell one of your guitar heroes, oh, I'm not feeling this, you know, um, but I did because, listen, it's like porn. Once an album's out there, it's, it's forever. And um, I don't, I can't do that to a friend I care about just to appease them. So I was like, you know, uh, I'm not sure. Da, 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 da. And he goes, well, why don't I come to your studio? We could write it together. And I was like, really? Okay. You know, but we have been close friends for years. I was just like surprised that he would want to do that fine so we spent an entire weekend writing his solo and it was i just get goosebumps thinking about it it was absolutely magical man it was magical um so throughout the whole process i filmed the entire process because there was a lot of concepts that i did uh with method writing which is what i'm calling it and uh you know and the thing is, I hate getting a guest solo from someone that that's not gonna fit my melodic style, you know, because then you, then it's not sincere, you know. Mm. Um, but I made sure to uh, hold on. Let me put my phone on mute. But long story short, with with Ali, it was very catered to his style, so it's fun for them to write it, you know, because it's it's easy for them to write. It. I don't want someone to struggle through something. Um, and yeah, it, it's just uh, I think that it was very fitting, so it really flowed well and it made sense conceptually. Yeah, it's it's a great great release, awesome. and I've had to fit in many many years of of your music into a few months. <laughs> it's been fun. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I just I just I just wonder, Angel, um, when you, when you don't experiment a lot with pedals, where do you get mm -hmm. like your musical inspiration from in terms of how to shape mm -hmm. your tones? Because you're such a genre hopper. You go from you know those kind of crushing brutal tones and the sweeping kind of scenes and then you go into low more mellow stuff mm -hmm. like how do you how do you find like the right tone that fits the right occasion i'm old school man i roll off my volume knob like a man 
You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I, I love that 70s attitude of just rolling. I mean, because again, it's like I like the overall filter of the picture of my tone, but sometimes I want to desaturate it just a little bit, uh -huh. you know? So like there's little parameters. So like, and I'll, and I'll honestly use the tone knob as well, just to kind of mute it a little bit more depending on what I'm doing. So like for a sea of heartbreak, you know, and the other thing is the pickups, the pickup combination, you know, I'll put it on two or four and roll off the volume knob and roll off the tone just a little bit just to get the edge off, you know? Mm -hmm. I, 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 um, I, I describe the tone knob like Xanax. It's Xanax for your tone. If you really want to sound like muffy and just bleh, 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 roll your tone knob all the way down. It's going to take all the edge off, man, you know? Um, but, uh, but that I really, I'm a very organic player in that respect, you know? Um, but when it comes to the rhythms, obviously it's, it's quite different. Uh, on my last record is quite a genre hopper, obviously, because there's neurotransmitters that I wanted to be very sincere about. Um, for, for, uh, for the rhythms, I used a, a Wagner ecstasy for the heavy stuff, uh, the Mark V for some more hard rock stuff. Um, this is Saldano here and there. Um, I use a JP2C on the rhythms for something else. I can't, oh, you'd be proud of me. I used an overdrive in front of it. Um, <laughs> I can't, uh, I can't remember what song it was, but it, it was actually is funny. So we did all these different amps and stuff like that. Now, producers nowadays are not used to that. The whole old school experience of experimenting and stuff like that is gone, dude. It's fucking gone. Because once a producer has his template and his workflow, he doesn't want to fucking EQ different amps and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Because um, it's very in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. You know, kind of like my last Thursday night. You know, four months ago when I was able to get laid, I digress. So, um, you know, it was a little. <laughs> <laughs> I held it in. Sorry, sorry. I held it in too, man. I have the stamina of a bull. Um, you know, they get theirs first. You know, um, <laughs> God, Lord help me. Oh, but uh, see, I lost my train of thought. Oh, look at that blue skies after the thunderstorm. Lovely. So in any case, um, it was a little bit of uh, extra work for the producer because he had to, you know, fit the mix in. And, and the guitar tone really defines the genre that you're doing. It really does. Mm. So um, I put a lot of thought into that stuff as well. And um, uh, in the studio, it's a different experience. But live, you know, I just, you know, I do what I do. I keep it consistent in that respect. Just volume knob, baby. Did you use a treble bleed uh, mod in, so you get, like all the sweet tones it's not too muffled mm -hmm. the funny thing is um my my finger tone the one thing that it doesn't have it doesn't have like a like a sharp piercing kind of like dime bag kind of thing which is fatiguing to the ear in my opinion um you know so all the eq that i do it's really um so obviously the the boogie that i'm using you have two stages of eq you know you have your bass mid and treble but you also have your sliders and that's like the classic you know mesa boogie legendary balance of the five band eq and um you know i'm i don't like that piercing tone especially you think i'm playing an hour's worth of you know that kind of music every night it's fatiguing it's exhausting so i want that one i i you know i've been described um it's i, I wouldn't I, I don't know i, I started to say this but people describe my tone as like the like the metal andy mckee um andy timmons sorry not andy mckee you know like that warm thick kind of like you know what i'm saying that and like you can hear the analog in his tone um, I do the same thing with just a little bit more gain, you know, uh, roll off those highs quite a bit. Um, it's kind of like, a like, um, like an obtuse V, you know, like the EQ is very tight together. 
just so I, you know, I still have my mids where I need them, but the highs are, you know, pretty rolled off. Because if you're playing in this register, again, really high up, it's just like, oh, shut the fuck up already. Mm. Jesus. Too much. Too much. Um. <laughs> I have a burning question or a series of questions that you're an independent artist. Mm. You have no label. Mm -hmm. You are a Chavel artist. You're releasing albums. You're, you're doing things that successful musicians <laughs> do. You mentioned that you were homeless for two years, mm -hmm. and I want to know, because um, I've also been in a, a similar situation, and how does one go from being there in their life to being where you are right now? Like, what was, what was the point where things changed for you? Well, I guess the, my trajectory was a little bit unique. Um, you know, because I've been at this instrumental game for 16 years, 17 years now. So for me, it's been very gradual um, and it's been so gradual, like you, there's, there's really hard to pinpoint a moment where it changed, you know, um, like, uh, like a good example of like, I guess the, the opposite of that would be like a band like Polyphia, you know, like they just blew up kind of like out of nowhere and, uh, and thank God for it. Honestly, I think it's wonderful. Um, but everyone has their own method of success. Like look at Meshuggah. It took them God knows how many years to get to where they're at now. Um, and so for me, it's been kind of similar in that respect, you know, so I put out my first, um, so I've been around since 2004. Um, and, you know, for the time that I was homeless, it was kind of the reason why was I would have, uh, I was working a job and I was trying to go to school, but that didn't work. So I'm a horrible student. Um, so what it was for me was I'd rather take the money that I was earning in my job and put it towards my record than to actually have a place that I can call my own. So I did that. And the first record did well, you know, in the MySpace days, considering. And, um, you know, then the next record, I wound up joining a band called 40 Below Summer, who were pretty, you know, new metal, like, uh, you know, uh, well-known for doing that kind of stuff. And then, you know, that kind of helped me elevate a little bit more. Then I put out a next record, which, you know, it's like every record trampolined me into a different tier, you know, because um, it's a whole album cycle's worth of, you know, artistic media. I hate the word content. It makes me fucking cringe. <laughs> I feel like I want to bathe with bleach with content. Suck my ass. It's fucking art. Um, so there was, you know, and, and, and also, again, like the whole, the feel of a concept record or a record in general. Like Downward Spiral had a feel to it, you know. Boys for Pele had a feel to it. Um so every record, I started learning more and more and more about what my strengths are and what I feel like I'm really good at and what I'm not good at. Um, and, um, you know, I guess it was just like starting at a different time, you know, because I feel like there was generations of, I'll use the word shredders because whatever, I know it has a stigma, but I don't really care. Um, you know, I have the first round of shredders like Satriani, Vi, Malmsteen, those guys. Then after that was like the first wave of inter internet guitars, you know, which was like, you know, Rusty Cooley, myself, or Rob Alducci, uh, Mike Martin. And, um, you know, then from there, it was kind of like, you know, the animals as leaders, uh, Pliny, uh, myself, thank by the graces of God, um, you know, uh, Polyphia and such. And, you know, now there's like a whole other subgenre or, or sub like rather a new generation of guitarists that is like you know the instagram guitarists who are taking what and each generation takes what the you know we took what steve Vai and satrani were doing we upped it you know and and you know kids nowadays are taking what we're doing and upping that you know they're getting so creative and it's just it's just and it's inspiring us mm -hmm. because we're still young enough to be like oh we could we could learn something from this you know as long as you don't let your ego get in the way of learning something you can learn a lot 
So um, I think it's also very important to stay relevant as well. Um, you know, but for me, uh, when I released the album Universal Language, what was an EP, um, it was the first time I really did like big time music videos that I always wanted to do because I had a budget to do it. And it blew up. It blew up. It took a year for that album to blow up, but it wasn't until I released a, a video for the song A Mercurian Summer and A Martian Winter that things just really started to take off. And then, uh, you know, from there, I uh, released another EP called The Way With Words Part 1. You know, it's like an elevating, you know, it's just constant elevation, you know, it's like the slow turtle wins the race. And I'm grateful for that, you know, because for me, I want longevity in this, you know, I don't want to be pop music because pop music, the whole definition of pop music is you're here, then you're gone. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not, I have, there's no ceiling for me. I don't subscribe to that for myself at all, you know, but um, yeah, so it's kind of hard to pinpoint. I think like the initial thing that kind of got me a little bit of notoriety was uh, the sevenstring.org forums if you remember those back in the day um <laughs> yeah. the uh the owner chris wow. quigley uh he vouched for me he posted he's like dude there's this guy on myspace you guys gotta check him out and you know when a well-respected person vouches for you man you know it's kind of like with steve i and plenty you know he talked about plenty he posted about plenty and overnight dude this kid just blew up because you have the godfather of shred vouching for someone new, you know, so it says a lot. Um, so that was the first thing. Then the second thing was I did a playthrough of a song called Acid Rain in 2009. That helped. Then um, Ibanez used me to uh, announce their Ibanez Premium Series, and I used a pre-production of a Martian winner. That helped. You know, so like there's all these little things that kind of um, eventually did, you know, kind of helped me to get where I'm at now. Um, then I was actually in a band with Tommy Vexed called Vexed. Who, now he's in Bad Wolves, of course. Um, we released an album called Impermanence in 2012, mm -hmm. I believe. A great record. You know, it's very well done, I think, on all our parts. And, um, yeah, you know, just just keep on keeping on. You know, I, I know the, you know, the grooves and the key that unlocks certain doors for myself visually and melodically and, and musically. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's, it's, it's an amazing ride. I never thought in a million years... I don't think and I don't think anyone I mean you you know to an extent I feel like what your destiny is but then when it actually starts to happen you're just like really really you know it's nuts man it's crazy I'm so insanely grateful man I'm so grateful to be like healthy and you know and and just be doing this and to have met so many beautiful people too like again like Yvette and Nita and you know Andy James and, and just it's just it's such a blessing, man. For real, for real. Such a blessing. Mm, it's one of the things that, that I, when I met you, I realized that not only were you this big personality, you were also very, very um, uh, humble in the sense that you knew how lucky you, you are. And lucky in the sense that the harder you work, the luckier you get. You know, so. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think... Um, the one thing that unites us all as a guitar players is that when I have a guitar, I feel happy. <laughs> and I think no matter anyone, like, like I, I posted on Instagram recently, um, just the, the statement guitar is dot, 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 just to see what people would, um, would mm -hmm. write. And everything was positive. Like guitar is my lifeline. Guitar is my, uh, my island that I live mm -hmm. alone. It's somewhat quite poetic. And, but everyone was positive because I spend a lot of time on YouTube. It can be quite a negative place. Yeah, and um, and it's really funny how Instagram and, and YouTube are totally different, as you mentioned earlier, um, as to what kind of 
mood those two social medias are and um yeah it's very fun to i just i just want to grab some people by the neck and say guitar's awesome <laughs> yeah. you know just enjoy mm -hmm. that it doesn't matter what pedal you use it doesn't matter what guitar you use or what you're playing or how good you yeah. are just being how lucky you are that you're in a situation where you can actually hold a guitar or if you're as lucky as me then more than one guitar. absolutely and think about the the all the little aspects because like i'm quite a deep thinker so think about you know being born in a particular year that put you to an adulthood that is the mecca of guitar building you have all these amazing unique guitars that are available to people you have youtube as a resource which we didn't have growing up you know i had to learn my shit i had to raw dog that to train my damn ear you know 17 versions of small 18 spirit tabs you know um that's the era that we come from you know and um you know there's so many things that that you have to think about the timing of how incredibly lucky we all in are truly you know we're in an age where like i'm i'm not on a label i play progressive you know instrumental guitar music and i make a living doing it and i'm comfortable i'm comfortable i don't want for anything like what are the fucking chances of that man and everyone has that ability the internet Level the playing field. You didn't have to live in LA. You don't have to live in New York City. You are where people are, you know? And what a gift. What an insane gift. And I think that people just don't really realize that. And um, But again, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily judge those people either because I don't know what their upbringings are. I don't know what kind of values they were instilled. I don't know what traumatized them to be as bitter as they are, mm -hmm. you know? Um, all I can do is, is try to make people happy that, that actually appreciate what I do. And... Um, you know, it's funny, actually, um, when I was 19, I had a conversation with Steve Vai once and we talked about, um, just, uh, so I asked him, you know, it was like this Evo experience things. And, uh, this is actually around the time that I was house bouncing from house to house to house. And I decided like, I'm going to spend the money and, and meet this man. And, um, you know, and we all went around, you know, it was like a big thing. And it's like the first like VIP experiences that everyone has now, right. In 2006. And um, might have been 2006. I don't know. I don't know. I'm bad at math. And uh, I asked him, I was like, what advice would you have for an instrumental guitar player that these days? And this was, again, the MySpace days. He ran my wall off some bullshit. But the last thing that he said was, if people don't like instrumental music, make them like it. And I was just like, I see you. Okay. <laughs> you know? And, um, and you know, I, I, I guess... To an extent, I mean, like, obviously, it's hard to make anyone like them, like anything. But, you know, just, uh, you know, I kind of interpreted that as be unique. And what's the best way to be unique is to be yourself. You know, the most successful people are the ones who are most self-aware. I'm very aware of what I'm good at. I'm very aware of what I'm not good at. I'm not going to let my ego take the wheel and floor the pedal to, to, to you know, inspire me to do things that I'm not good at, you know? I'm not gonna do my own artwork, you know? I'm gonna conceptualize it and tell someone who specializes in that what I want. I'm not gonna mix and master my own record. I mean, I, I could if I wanted to, but I'm not passionate about it, you know? I'm only gonna do the things that I wanna do because if I do that, I'm gonna do them really well, you know? And if I'm open-minded enough, I'm gonna do them better as time goes on, as long as I'm learning from other people who are doing it well as well, you know? It's like the saying of, um, the wise man learns from his mistakes, the wiser man learns from other people's mistakes, and the wisest man learns from other people's success, you know? Um, so I look at people like Steve Vai, and I'll look on MySpace, like how Killswitch Engage will roll out an album when they change their layout, when they change their, what they put in their bulletins, what they put in their blogs, you know? 
And, um, oh, that method's cool. Then I saw how, you know, Joe Satriani would do it. Then I'll see how Nine Inch Nails would do it. Then I'll see how Perfect Circle did it. And Chevelle and all these bands. And I just, again, it's just like in musical influences, visually, Bjork, Nine Inch Nails, Torimus. You interpret the influence visually and out comes your, your method and what's unique to you to support whatever art you're doing. Gonna leave a moment of silence there. That was beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. I mean, Dan, we started this podcast purely for the reason that to add more yeah. positivity uh, to the guitar world. When when Dan first asked me if I'd be interested in in starting a podcast, and the one agenda we have is to be positive, and we just keep getting more positive people on this podcast. Absolutely. And we've <laughs> we've reached really. I mean, there's been several people. I don't want to. Um, uh, what's the word Com compare but um we're just getting more positivity and with the light of what's going on at the moment the music industry um it's great to hear so much positivity from an independent artist as you yeah said. we need it we need it and i think that you know with with considering the temperature of the world at the moment you know it's kind of um it's not that i'm saying it separates the men from the boys i don't like i don't like that energy at all because it's toxic competition and i'm more about friendly competition you know i want you know, I want to inspire my friends to do better and they're going to do better at things that I'm not good at and they're going to push me to do it. Like Andy James in alternate picking, I'm a legato and, and tapper, you know, but Andy James is a surgical alternate picker. So try touring with him for two months. You know, it, it's going to inspire you to get your shit together in that realm. And it did, um, you know, but, you know, being that the industry is in such a dark place right now, especially all my touring friends, you know, when they, um, you know, relied on, on tours to make an income, now it's really uh you have to anchor your creativity in a different way completely completely and you know this time as dark as it is it is like the darkest cloud we've ever seen but there's a silver lining behind there because the sun will shine one day and it's not going anywhere but you have to really focus on that and you have to figure out what you can do right now time like this is honestly a gift as long as you're not you know stressing about trying to make a livelihood which some people are you know, some people are really, you know, I read a post from someone recently that their business is gone. They don't know how to feed their kids. They don't know how they're going to feed their kids. And that's such a horrible thing to go through. So, of course, you're not going to be able to focus on music and stuff like that. But for those of us who are, who have the gift, I mean, gift of platinum in our hands of having time, we have to use this. We have to use this, man. All the things that we always wanted to do, we always find excuses to do. Now we have the time to do them, you know, in our homes, if, if that's a feasible thing. So, you know, be creative, find, you know, really scan what you're willing to do and not willing to do. And uh, be honest with yourself, you know, don't judge yourself if there's something that you feel like you can't do right now. But um, do judge yourself a little bit um, on the things that you feel like you can do. You know, don't let this don't let laziness and things prevent you from using this to come out with something if you can that's not saying that you should do it every single day because some days you want to sleep until 2 p.m and that's fine you have to work with yourself and you have to work with your temperament but you know don't squander this beautiful opportunity for those who are able to do something with it yeah that's absolutely right if you if you want to do something i think i think you probably or you definitely find solutions whereas if you if you're not really convinced you just find excuses for not doing something yeah and uh that's now the time to maybe rethink yourself kind of relocate your mind rethink mm -hmm. your career rethink 
like your approach to your musicality and also your your business approach because you're, mm-hmm. you know being business savvy is a part of a musicianship that you should not overlook as an artist because you got to make a living and you got to you know your business has to thrive in in some way that you, that you can like further develop your musicianship and that you can create a fan base and we've been talking about that like finding it doesn't have to be like an enormous amount of people that are completely behind you. If it's like 1000 people that love you, that, that will be the foundation for your career. And then it grows, it grows, it grows from there. So absolutely. So I, I, t- I totally like the approach and, and the thought that you, that you put into that. And uh, mm-hmm. we all know Andy knows and, and I know, and we have a lot of, of artists and friends that are struggling big time, not, not just in the States, but also in Europe too. Yeah. And they struggle make to make a living, but like you said, there will be some civil lining ultimately. And uh, uh, we'll see what, 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 those people will take from there if they have if they have made up their mind if they have maybe discovered new solutions how they can make a living how they can inspire people how they can teach people on new channels and even even to like to a degree where ordinary like business life you know i'm a desk jockey i call myself a desk jockey because i work for ivan's guitars and i'm you know on my desk all day yeah so but and then my boss for example never really liked the, the thought of having his whole team working remotely but now they have to they have no choice. and it's working and it's working well and it's a totally new approach and a totally different mindset and, and that holds true for the music industry and the guitar industry in, in particular too so of course um, this is changing the yeah. shape of how we all think of what life is it really is absolutely you know once this is all over you want to talk about being grateful to go outside and sit in a restaurant you know hugging mm-hmm. my best friend you know playing with my okay. fucking band you know who are all 20 minutes away from me who i can't see right now they've been with me for you know 12 years average all every single member i've had the same band members for for a number of years and and as long as i can help it they will always be my band members and you know you want to talk about a, a perspective of being grateful um it's not going to ins- be instilled in everyone obviously you know um but for those of us who know again what what a gift it is to have had all the things that we did prior you know, it just, my God, the first time I, I, I'm going to cry when I first step on stage again in 2022, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm going to ball my fucking eyes out and yeah. everyone else is going to cry too. It's just because it, it's, it, we don't realize the things that we take for granted because they're, we like, it's 20, we're in an age where this is impressive. We're living, we are literally living a horror movie to the T the officials who ignored it, the scientists who said that it was going to happen. And it's like, we're just waiting for like the hero. Okay. Where's the person that's going to help us, you know? Um, but the problem is there isn't, there isn't going to be one person. It's, it's, we are the heroes individually and we all have to do our parts for it in order to get to the place where we can actually live like, you know, like we did previously, but with a little bit more insight into being grateful for the opportunity, you know? Um, but yeah, you know, I'm just glad that honestly, I mean, you know, a lot of my friends, obviously, like you said yourselves with the touring, oh my God, it's horrible. But, you know, I'm just glad I never built my career on touring alone, man. You know, oh, it's just that, that I would be pretty deep shit if I did. <laughs> you know? So, oh, it's crazy. Now, with all the, the artists offering online lessons, are you are you a guy who's like looking for, for other artists and, and, you know, takes lessons from them if you want to like get something from, from their playing style or, I don't know, just dive into their stylistical approach? Um, something that you do? Um, as far as, I, I guess, uh, like taking lessons with other artists and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. You know, the funny thing is I haven't, but um, 
So my new record uh, is actually, it's called Away With Words Part 2. I've been working on it for a number of years. Um, there's no seven string on it. It's, um, there's no metal. There's no double kick. It's all, it's, it's literally a yin and yang to part one, which is part one was a very normal, you know, Angel Vivaldi progressive metal with a couple genre bending. But this is like, you know, if I could describe it, it's Al Dimiola meets Snarky Puppy meets Prince meets Maroon 5 meets Alcest. That's literally what this record is. So, um, with that, you know, being said, it's, um, I'm getting a little bit of insight. So Jack Gardner, I'm sure you know Jack Gardner. Do you know Jack Gardner? If not, you should. And all you listeners, you have to check him out because he is an astounding, he's a superb musician, um, very good friend of mine. And, uh, you know, I've been working on him with, on two tracks just to give, give me different voicings, different things that I'm not looking, you know, that I'm overlooking. Um, so, uh, I never take a lesson in my life, but I guess in a respect, like he's kind of like helping me produce a couple of tracks. So maybe that might fall underneath the same category. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's been really insightful for sure. So are you, um, giving lessons to other students? At the oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, I am. Um, I don't do the, I don't really publicize it too much because, um, so I do two things. Um, so I do give lessons. Uh, which I love. I love teaching. It's fun. But um, what I love doing more than that is I do music consultations. So like for artists who uh, want insight into the business, because that's one thing that I don't feel like is really um, offered. Um, you know, everything from like how to brand yourself, how to market yourself, how to do content for different platforms, how to do your taxes. You know, uh, like I'm very candid. Like this is exactly how much I make. I'll hold my phone up. I'll show them, you know, budgets and stuff like that, because I think it's important for people to understand what what a person like me is, you know, what to expect. Um, it's something I wish I had growing up. I feel like it will be really helpful, um, you know, but um, but yeah, it's it's uh, I've been doing most mostly that, you know, because again, guitar lessons, you can get anywhere from anyone. You can go on YouTube and get free guitar lessons. But, you know, to get, um, you know, business advice from someone who's actually, you know, doing it um, is very rare. So that's that's the one thing I've been really focused in doing. I But I do both. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. That's great. That's that's very, very cool to do the, the business advice. That's um, you, you should be marketing some kind of online course on Udemy. <laughs> Ten dollars and you sell, I don't know, a hundred thousand and then you can just retire. Yeah. <laughs> how, to, how to make a million dollars in the music. Oh, my. By my yeah, there you go. Exactly, man. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm missing a landmine. But you know, the funny thing is, I mean, I've been doing especially now. Lord have mercy. The good thing about all this is like all of my friends who do Skype lessons are killing it right now. Everyone's jumping on them, which is good because it shows that people are taking the initiative to take the time. Um, ooh, I'm sorry, getting a call there. Um, to uh, to take advantage of the time that they have. So um, yeah, recently that the consultations have been out of control, out of control. So it's it's great, you know, because the more I do them, it's like anything else. The more that I do them, the better I get at it the better I become an asset unto myself and the better I become an asset to other artists, you know? Um, it's like you're flexing your business muscles over and over and over again, you know? And I've been doing so many, like I feel I look like I'm on roids. I'm just like steroided out with like business knowledge, you know? Because everyone's situation is different too, you know? So I wound up learning a lot from other artists who are doing things a little bit differently. And, um, you know, and, uh, and also again, like right now, uh, to show you how versatile it's been, um, so right now I'm actually doing a uh, consulting for a beauty salon and I'm building their website, been helping them with branding. I'm, I've done uh, two fitness apparel companies. I'm working with a personal trainer and the weirdest one, 
um, there's a company called KEP, which is an engineering company. So if you know the little dials, the counters, like in turnstiles and stuff, one, two, three, right? They designed that in 1967. Um, they also designed fuse boxes for apartment complexes, like the gray boxes, right? They designed that. They have, I mean, this is a huge multi-billion dollar company. And these genius engineers came up with this way to create um, heating and cooling zoning without having to repipe an entire building, which is brilliant. Um, it's actually being tested right now in one of the building skyscrapers in New York City. So this is a whole green initiative that, um, and them, I guess, I don't know how, but they found out that I'm a big environmentalist and that I was doing this and I met with them. Because uh, these are nerds. They don't know how to dress or how to brand themselves. You know, they just know how to change people's lives. No big deal. And, um, <laughs> and they needed help on branding that, you know. And, um, you know, we've been doing this project for, for a while. I think, uh, well, I don't know about now with Corona, but uh, we were originally planning to release everything in November. Um, and they want me to, like, brand and consult and be that spokesperson on, you know, this eco-friendly way to, like, change. It's just, it just blew me away. So it's the business side of the consulting has gotten beautifully out of control and I'm just so blessed. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Great. To the, the next <laughs> Something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Except I'm not going to be like, clap my hand. Every time someone's died, stop clapping. Stop clapping. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question for that, that consultant yeah. in you. Um, what's the biggest mistake an independent artist can make? Like, what's the first thing? Oh, very easy. Um, I mean, the biggest mistake I think people make is, oh man, this is such a loaded question. I, had, I felt like I had an answer to it, but I have so many answers that we'll be here for like three more hours. So I think the biggest thing is honestly not knowing what you're good at and not knowing what you're not good at and being okay with that. Because I feel like, you know, as we're growing up, we're seeing how this person is making their success and this person is making their success and they all influence us, you know, influence, influence us in different ways. So, you know, I'll look at, uh, let's say, for instance, I look at their YouTube channel. I'll see videos of them trying to do reviews and then trying to do the viral thing, the gimmicky thing. Then they try to put out a record. Then they try to do, you know, reacts videos. And I'm like, what are you doing? You're literally, there's a term called confusion in the marketplace. Like no one has no idea what the fuck you're trying to do or what you're trying to say, you know? But it's a matter of like, as gay as this is, in, in like a tacky way, it is a matter of a key to success. And what I mean by that is a key has grooves, okay? And every single one of those grooves is a different facet of your strengths and weaknesses. So like, uh, if I use myself as an example, so, you know, the groove that I made to like songwrite, okay? That's this very specific groove that I carved out. And that groove, if you zoom into it, that had a lot of time, money, and effort. It took time to, you know, shape my technique and, and, and learn how to write a song. And, and it took effort to do that as well. And it took money because you guitars aren't free, you know, which means that you also have to work a day job so, you know, you can afford these things, which also has to do with time management. So all those little aspects make that groove what it is. Then the other aspect really is a matter of like visually, you know, like what's visually setting you apart. It's a fucking thumbnail, guys. It's a thumbnail that's going to make someone click on what you what what you do you know frank zappa said it was like 50 percent in the eyes and 50 percent in the ears but now people are listening with their eyes it's just how it is and the thing that keeps them there is really the music 
you know, and how everything is. That's what captivates them to go on Instagram and to follow you, which is expensive when you think about it. Not not monetarily, but it takes a lot for someone to give a shit enough about what you're doing to follow your career, okay? That follow has value, okay? So that's one groove. And then it's the personality is another groove. Then, you know, it's like all these different things and all those grooves, like what's happening is you put it in a key and you try to turn it. And sometimes it'll, you know, all right, they're trying the gimmicky Jared Dines, you know, kind of route. All right, that door's not opening up for me. All right, so I have to take it out and regroove my my key and try in another slot and see if this door opens for me. All right, this door opened, but then there's a series of doors throughout the entirety of your career, and you have to constantly reinvent yourself and reshape yourself based on the template of what you established first, right? So you're constantly going and constantly going and constantly going, and you know, eventually, no matter how big you are, like Madonna, right now, homegirl, is, she, she's trying to open up doors, and they're not opening up for her. They're not. She's open, like, she. it's, it's you know, it, it's, it's kind of over, you know? And that could be very troublesome to some artist. Um, whereas, like, bitch, for me, I am I am so self-aware. Like, I'll, I'll start with a brand new blank key, and I'll regroove the entire thing myself if I have, you know, if I have it from scratch. Because... I know myself. I, I know that I have the passion and the drive in order to do it. You know, I don't care if I'm 56. I don't give a shit. That key is getting grooved out, you know. But it is a matter of trial and error. You're trying this. You're trying that. You're trying this. You're trying that. And, you know, there's a matter of once you find your groove, pun intended, you have to really start to figure out, all right, how can I, how can I amplify how can I amplify this? How can I really relate? How can I milk it for everything it's got? Right. Mm -hmm. And once you get to that point, you know, you have to do damage control. You have to archive all those posts so that people understand what it is that you're trying to say. You know, like for me, you know, high production music videos, conceptual albums, art, you know, the wardrobe, the, the you know, the lot like like, you know, my personality, how I am, you know, these are all little aspects of my key that works for me, but they may not work for someone else. So the biggest thing is know your strengths, know your weaknesses, figure out what you're willing to do what you're not willing to do. Like, again, like I'll do videos, I'll do wardrobe, but mixing and mastering, not my thing, you know? So just that's that's the biggest piece of advice that I would give to someone. Well, I'm buying the Udemy course. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't even want a discount. That's how, how much I'm in. Thank you. I'm paying full price. Well, thank Vivaldi you. Vivaldi Business Academy. I can take you see the letters. The Vivaldi Business Academy. <laughs> so... I, I don't want to cheapen what you said because that was some really great yeah. advice. It's, uh, but of course, it's my my job to react to things. <laughs> <laughs> but see, here's Actually, the thing: certain people, like their whole thing is react. Like Jared Dines is so great at it. You know what I'm saying? Like his personality is what's engaging. You know, but um, you have to be okay with, you know, because the, the one thing that I find that YouTubers struggle with in particular, because I'm friends with a lot of these people. You know, I'm not like a part of this click or that click like i sit with everyone especially at nam you know i fuck with the youtubers i fuck with the instrumental shredders i fuck with the metal bands i don't care i just love people um but the one thing i find youtubers struggling with is um they get so well known for doing one thing that they try to do original music and no one gives a fuck you know what i'm saying and um you have to find a balance of not putting too much stock in the, the fact that you know just be grateful that you're good at something <laughs> you know what i think because some people spend their lives trying to figure figure out what the strength is and they never find it you know it's a gift it is such a privilege to know why you're here because certain people walk, wake up every day and they go to a job nine to five and they have no idea they don't have a passion they don't have a hobby they don't have anything in life and that has to be so scary it has to be so scary 
Um, some people are okay with that. And I think that's wonderful. God bless you. You know, your life must be pretty stress free. You know, but for those who realize, um, you know, maybe that they're squandering their life and they don't know what their path is, you know. I could see how they can envy someone like, you know, like us in our positions where we do know what we love to do and we are doing it. So it is quite a gift. You said you said earlier that um, you want to learn from the successful guys, but there's also like it's also a solution to learn from your mistakes and, and mm -hmm. others mistakes. Like if you at hindsight, look at the main one of the major mistakes that you made business wise, what would you tell a younger uh, angel like 10 years ago? Don't make that mistake. Is there is there anything in particular that you would point out that was that was not like the best choice at that at that certain time? Yeah, it's a fantastic question. Um, I think for me early on, um, it's just minding your ego a little bit better, you know, um, in a sense of relating to other people. Um, I think obviously ultimately it served me obviously because I feel like there's little things that that lead you up to where you're at. Um, But I feel like, you know, when you're young and you have the ability, you know, uh, to do what you do, whether it be like, you know, wield an instrument in a certain way or to have a vision, you know, because some artists, they'll write magnum opuses, but they have no idea what the vi visuals to attach to it, you know. Um, and that's okay, you know, because there's higher people that do have the visual because that's their job. That's what they're good at. Um, and just because another artist that you subscribe to doesn't mean that you have to do that too on yourself everyone's unique but um i think it's just that you know just just being a little bit not being so um because i think the other thing too is like because i was brought up in a house full of marines you know i it's just my temperament i'm just very can, can i can i ask was that your family or did you just happen to live with a group of marines well i mean you know <laughs> talk about my my my, my weekends pre-covid no i'm kidding um <laughs> sorry we, i just I, i needed to know needed no we to know. love a man in a uniform no but my, my dad was a marine and my brother's a marine as well um so again you know like that 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 kind of um you know it's not even like that they, like they weren't nearly as strict or anything but i was i took what that lifestyle was and i just amplified it for myself you know um But it is a certain amount of discipline, like militant discipline. And I feel like, you know, that could have come off a little bit um, harsh for certain people. And um, I think that that would have been the one thing I feel like I, I may have, you know, stepped out of my lines a little bit. Um, but, you know, ultimately it did serve me. And now, obviously, I'm much more tact. I have a lot of tact in how I approach certain situations because... I realized this, and this is the most important thing about relating to people. And it's when you're talking to a certain person and you want them to, and you know better about a certain aspect of whatever it is, the topic, um, and you want them to really take your advice, you have to, you have to approach that with a tact that's receptible, like that's going to be received well to that person's style of learning. You know, some people are visual learners. Some people are, you know, they want to do the formulas of G, A, B, C, D, E, and intervals and six and nines and whatever. Some people just want to learn the numbers, five, six, seven, seven, eight, nine, whatever on frets. So you have to really be aware of how another person learns and receives information and you have to cater it to how they learn. Otherwise, some people like the harsh criticism. Some people need to be, you know, they need to be prefaced with a positive, you know, and that's my, I try to kill it with kindness. You know, I always start critiques off with positive things and then from there you know 
you have to co constructively provide information, especially with cons consultations, you know, because these are people who respect you and um, and you want them to take your advice because you've been there and you know, and you don't want them to struggle like you did, you know, and for that reason alone, you have to have tech. Like, I don't, I don't like the word brutal honesty because people who are like, oh, I'm brutally honest. Think about how they say that. They say brutally honest with pride. They don't like the honesty. They like the brutality. That's all that they like, you know? And I think that's such a dick thing to do, you know? Don't pride yourself on being brutal. Pride yourself on being a good person, you know, who's honest and actually has self-awareness and awareness of a relationship on how other people, again, receive information, you know, to, to benefit that person. Because if you're brutally honest like that, you don't want them to succeed. You just want them to hurt. And that's not how, that's not how I roll, you know? Dan, we've we've done it again. Yep. <laughs> it's a it's two hours. Two oh my long, god! <laughs> two hour epic podcast. Oh, goodness gracious! What's we learned so much. We learned so much, and it's there are so many. We have not wasted a single second. <laughs> it's, it's Can I ask you a question? Only um, because I don't listen to podcasts. Like, what's the average listener? Like, how long are podcasts typically? Like an hour? Can be long. for me the ones I listen to between forty five minutes and an hour. Oh my god! Maybe we should split um, this. <laughs> because <laughs> this is i thought that last week and the thing is i don't see any point in this podcast where i wanted to nope. stop and i don't want to do it now i'm just doing that thing where i think we should probably stop it right now <laughs> um, and we invite you back for a part two of course. which may actually be a part three and four um but yeah so two hours is a lot of anybody's time but people have time currently. yeah and I believe that with, um, if someone's going to invest their, their impulse to click on whatever they click on to listen to this podcast, once they've clicked it, uh, I believe that whoever's listening to this right now has not clicked away. <laughs> well, I hope so. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's, been a, it's been a journey, hasn't it? It's been, mm. it's been wonderful. I've really, I, I love doing this and I just wish that I got paid. <laughs> <laughs> well, in due time, in due time, man, you know, because I feel like you, it, it really is a matter of like the personality of, of obviously the host, but, you know, it's the personality you actually bring in, you know, that, that again, like that, that blue and that yellow and, and Dan, your red fits beautifully in what we're doing, man. It's like, it's a beautiful, <laughs> you know, because like, I feel like Dan's like our anchor of just like asking questions instead of just letting me fucking ramble, you know? <laughs> So it's just like, you know, we all compliment each other pretty beautifully, you know, and I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. Well, we definitely got to do this so that's a second a, part. A warm, warm brown? Warm brown, I love that. Yeah, like, <laughs> at least he's warm, you know. <laughs> I, I have one, I'm going to allow myself one question, final question, if I mm -hmm. may. Sure. Um, is it ever likely that we would see Nova on stage? Nova, your Miss Vagina. <laughs> Miss Vagina. Uh, so I gotten that question a couple times. Uh, the funny thing is, um, I uh, I gotten that question a bit. Um, I don't know if I'm comfortable enough to do that. You know, um, I feel like mm. if there was a demand for it, I might. Um, but uh, it's just I think I still have to do some work internally on being comfortable enough. You know, um, because it's just you know I think I've, I I think the the thing that I learned from that she taught me really was that I have an issue internally with how I relate to that. Um, and I'm getting better with it, but I think I need to do, I need more opportunities to do it 
in order to learn more from her, you know? So I need to get into her again and then again and then again. And slowly she's just going to chip away at this toxic view that I have with femininity. Um, but, you know, honestly, she was so well-received. Um, I, I, you know, I have the whole, I know what the tour name is going to be. Um, I know who I'm going to have on the tour. I know exactly how I'm going to go about it. I know who I'm, I put, everything's done. Everything's done. It's just a matter of me being okay enough to do it. Um, you want to hear the tour name? The tour name's cool. Really <laughs> it's do. called Hell on High Heels. That's what I'm going to name the tour. Uh. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and yeah, I, I like, you know, I talked to the makeup artist who did my, my face and he, and he's like, I will go on, I would, I would leave my job right now to go on tour with you to do this. Um, and it's just like, like what a gift, you know, like someone would, would do that, you know, to, to, you know, for something that they believe in me that much. Um, and obviously my band, you know, they're, they're my brothers that they, they, they would go through hell and back for, we all would for each other. And, um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I put a lot of thought into that already. I know, I know, I know everything. It's just a matter of the internal work that I have to do. And, and honestly, listen, flat out, it's scary. It's scary. You know, I'm in Trump land and, um, my fans overall are genuinely good people because, you know, I, I know them. I know them. I, I see the comments. I respond to everyone. I go to people's profiles because it's important from a business aspect to know the temperaments of the people that you're listening to your stuff. And they're all intelligent. They're very inquisitive. They're very supportive. Um, again, not one bad comment on, on that post, which says a lot. But, you know, and I said this in things before, you know, when you, when you announce a tour, someone knows where you're at every single day for a month. And I'm in a country where mentally ill people can get guns very easily, and I'm not in a position to afford anything. Um, I've had situations of, with obsessed fans to the point where I was getting fitted for a vest to go on my tour with Gus G in 2016. And, um, you know, it's a big risk. It's a very big risk. Um, but I don't give a shit. I think one day I might do it. So we'll see. <laughs> I, I don't want to make a circus act of, of the things you've created, but I do know that um, when you when you do it, let's say mm -hmm. when, um, I will feel a lot of love. For I you love it because of uh, the, the position you've you know you've managed to grow as well. I also enjoying that you're not perfect. That's that's made, that's made me very happy to learn that you need to grow. A little oh, bit absolutely, more. absolutely. You know, and not just in that respect, in many respects. You know, so for sure, just got to be honest with yourself. Well, um, I'm confident Angel will keep us posted about the endeavors maybe in the next episode when we, when we have him for a second time and can dive in a little bit deeper into the whole business aspects and uh, maybe have a, have a look at what, what happened during those crazy days and how the whole situation in the MI has, has developed and maybe changed too. So, Absolutely, uh, I would love that. Yeah, thank, thank mm. you so much for uh, your time. More than two hours already and so, ma so many great thoughts and, and that, was, that was pretty deep. I think we like... It was like a, a ride, like from being a little bit kinky and that flamboyant you uh, going into that kind of more introverted, like deep thinker, Angel Vivaldi. And that was, it was totally cool to see that kind of transformation, you know. Thanks oh, so I appreciate that. And if anyone's yeah. still listening, I, I really very grateful for your time and your attention. It really does mean a lot. I don't take it for granted at all because, uh, woo, this is a lot. There's a lot. <laughs> All and thank right, you guys as well for you know thinking enough of me to have me on your uh, on your podcast here. It's been an absolute pleasure, absolute pleasure. Yeah, thank you. It's yeah, reciprocated. Awesome, love to hear that. Well, let's call it a day. Thanks, Angel. Thanks, Andy. And uh, take care, and see you soon next week.
Bye-bye, guys. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.